All right. So um, we are in a conversation. Um, uh, we're actually going to wrap up our conversation today about how we can have a better life. Uh, Christianity teaches us that we can have a better life, that in order to have a better life, um, we put into practice the things that Jesus taught us. And, and when we do, we will actually have a better life. It won't be an easier life. But it'll be a better life because it will have significance and it will have meaning and purpose. So, so, uh, that's the reason we practice the things that Jesus taught us is because it gives us a better life. It's not, it's not about getting into heaven. Jesus has already done what, whatever needed to be done so that we could go to heaven when we die. This is about what we do in between now and then. This is about how we can have a better life right now. So the things we've been talking about um, are how we can have a better life. And so we talked about how a better life doesn't come from sitting on the beach. That's a good weekend, but it's not a better life. And so instead we talked about the things that you would expect a preacher to talk about. Um, uh, we, we talked about prayer, that Jesus taught us how we can pray to God and how our prayers could be answered. We talked about worshiping, that, that there are times when we're just, uh, something happens in our life and we just spontaneously worship God, but there's a different, uh, there's a different effect when, when the people of God all come together to worship. We talked about reading your Bible and you would expect these things. These are the kind of spiritual practices that you would expect. But we also talked about greatness. The way that, the way that uh, Christianity teaches that we become great is by serving others. That, that it's not by how many people serve us, but how, how many people we serve is a measure of our greatness. We also talked about how we have community, that that um, Christians uh, love one another, that there are, there are 59 different times in the New Testament it talks about how we should one another each other, so we should we should bear one another's burdens, or we should love one another, and, and different things like that. So Christians um, are, are called to experience life together uh, in community. So we talked about that, and today we're going to wrap it up by talking about generosity. And uh, generosity is... Um, uh, uh, a, a painful topic for some people, and I know there have been abuses in churches, um, and uh, so I always feel like I, I need to make some disclaimers up front. So I, I want to make sure that you understand I'm talking about generosity in general. I'm not talking about giving to the church. This is not a, a, a tithing message. So, And in fact, um, I'm not a fan of tithing messages. I, I don't believe that tithing is a, a requirement. Um, uh, I know that there are there are churches that tell you that, but... Um, but I disagree, and, and I'm going to sketch out why here. So um, if we look at um, so our first point, stewardship is not tithing. We are called to be stewards, but we are not called to tithe. So let me sketch that out for you. Uh, the prophet Micah, he says, um, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So Micah says that that's what God wants. That's the way he summarizes the law. But Jesus fulfilled the law. In the in the um, in the book of Hebrews, the, the the writer there says, when God speaks of a new covenant, it means He has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. So so uh, the things that Micah would have included in that doing right would have included things like paying your bills and and um, uh, not not uh, uh, cheating people when when you owe them money. Uh, but it would also have included paying the tithe, paying a tenth of whatever you owe, whatever whatever increase you had, whatever uh, increase you had in your in the value of your your possessions over the course of a year, you would pay that to the purposes of God, and that has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That that the tithe is part of the law that that Jesus fulfilled. Jesus gave us a new law, which is to love one another, and so we still we still pay our debts. We still um, we still uh, 
Don't steal from people because there's no way to do either one of those things lovingly. I can't, I can't cheat you out of money that I owe you. I can't steal from you in a loving way. But I don't have to tithe. So, uh, the, the old covenant that speaks of, uh, uh, tithing is obsolete and will soon disappear. So, uh, stewardship is not tithing. I'm not telling you you need to tithe. So, what I want to do is I want to talk about generosity. And this is the second half. Everything I say is the second half of what, or the second third of what Micah was talking about. It's loving mercy. So I want to talk about generosity because that's where um, we experience the kind of better life that Jesus uh, talked about. So uh, let's talk then about generosity. And we begin, in, in any talk about generosity, we have to begin with the idea that God is generous. God is generous in character. Um, that this is who God is. Uh, there, there's very little we can say about God's nature. God is invisible. He's he's bathed in light. We cannot we cannot approach um, except uh, except as as He gives us uh, uh, clarity to do so. So what we do know is that God is generous. The Apostle James says in his letter, he says, "Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father." who created all the lights in the heavens. So if you got up this morning and you looked out at the snow and you said, boy, it sure looks a lot better today than it did on Friday, then that moment of pleasure, that that, that just kind of, oh, it's so much nicer here. Um, if you were out, outdoors last night and you said, it's nice to be able to see things at night um, uh, because the snow and the clouds and everything make it so much lighter. Um, those little little tiny pleasures all the way up to the, the things that, that we can't imagine living without. Everything in between, anything good is, um, is a gift coming down to us from God our Father because God is a um, generous God. Jesus reveals this in his, uh, in his life, death, and resurrection. Um, John tells us that uh, Jesus appeared in the, the uh, temple one day uh, on the, during the festival, and he shouted out, uh, anyone who is in thirsty may come to me. He was echoing the words that we heard from Isaiah, who says that God gives without cost to those who need. Jesus says, whatever it is your, your heart longs for, whatever the deepest longings of your heart, whatever that thirst is, I will quench it for you. I will do it for free because I love you. So, so this is Jesus's um, work in the world, and uh, in the letter to Titus, uh, Paul Paul says that is actually uh, uh, what Jesus is. It, Jesus is the grace of God that all the other graces of God point us to. So uh, Jesus is the grace of God that has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And then, of course, Jesus tells the parable of the God who who uh, gives to the, 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 the Johnny-come-latelys just as much as he gave to the people who were um, obedient all along. That the very nature that God comes to the Gentiles and says, hey, you're not my people, but you will become my people. The very fact that, that we are permitted to worship God is an example of God's generosity. And Jesus, all the way to his last breaths here on earth, he said to the people around him that God is generous. He is hanging on the cross, dying in moments, and he looks to the man next to him and he says, you will be with me in paradise, not because you go to church every week, not because you read your Bible, not because you have been a good, consistent tither or because you won a prize in Sunday school. I will get you into heaven simply because I'm a generous God. So God is generous. We begin with that idea always. But we also move forward to the idea that we are made to reflect God's glory, that God made us to reflect God's glory. 
we talk sometimes about how um, if you if you've ever seen a scarecrow, the idea is that is that they look like us. They look like people. But the theory is that the the, the birds um, will see them and think, uh oh, there's the farmer. I can't you know go go scavenging in the field right now. That that they are a replica of us that's put there to reflect our glory in the farm so that the birds won't pick the corn or whatever. Uh, that that is the same kind of image that that we have for us. That God put us into creation to reflect the God um, of uh, that, that that created everything. That we have that calling. So we read in Genesis, God says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And then the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, to reflect God's uh, glory and intentions into the world. So that is our calling. Um, and Jesus says that, that we, are, we, we can still do those things today. He says, um, uh, I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Jesus says this is the way God is. It's not because you are good that you got sunrise this morning or because you are, you are wicked. It's because God loves to bless people. So by blessing those who persecute us, by praying for them, we are acting as true children. We are acting as scarecrows. We are acting as mirrors. We are reflecting the God of, of generosity. So, so that's, uh, that's the second idea. And the problem with that idea or the place that, that we immediately catch is we say, well, look, I cannot make it rain. I mean, you know, I, I, maybe I can make it rain that way, but, but I can't, I can't make it rain. I cannot send sunshine into the world. Um, so, so how, how can I do this? Well, the answer is that God underwrites our generosity that God actually gives us more than we need so that we can be generous. God gives us an excess. God gives us a surplus so that we can be generous. When the people of God are moving into the promised land, God tells them, uh, or Moses, uh, Moses speaking about God, says, He, God, will love you and bless you, and He will give you many children. He will give fertility to your land and to your animals. And when you arrive in the land he uh, swore to give your ancestors, you will have large harvests of grain, new wine and olive oil, great herds of cattle, sheep and goats. So he says, he says God's going to, to give you this land that is flowing with milk and honey. You're going to have more than you can, you can imagine. And, um, uh, Paul says that that is still a true statement. He tells, he tells the church in Corinth, he says, what do you have really that God didn't give you? And if everything you have is is from God, why do you boast as though it were not a gift? Why do you act like it's something that, that you did all by yourself? That ultimately everything we have is a gift from God. And Jesus says, uh, more pointedly, he says, he says, if God hasn't given you anything, then don't then don't give. But if you have been given things by God, then give just as freely yourself. So so that's the idea here is that God God is a generous God. We are made to reflect God's glory. And because we cannot make it rain, because we cannot make the sunshine, God underwrites our own generosity. So what do we do with that? Well, we practice generosity. So we practice generosity ourselves. So in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, God speaks to the people and he says, there will always be some in the land who are poor. Not because the land is missing anything. It is a rich land. It flows with milk and honey. And yet there will be people who are poor. There'll be people who are just not good money managers, that they just kind of it went through their fingers and they didn't know what happened to it. There will be people who are poor. There will be people who who got taken advantage of. 
There will be people who just had bad luck. And so there will always be poor people in the land. That is why I am commanding you to share freely with the poor and the other Israelites in need. He says, he says, this is why you're in this land of plenty. So you can help out the people who are poor. Now, sometimes we don't know, uh, we, we don't know the poor people or we don't know what the need is. Um, and so there's a, there's a great passage in Leviticus. I know I sometimes uh, make fun of Leviticus, um, but it, like the rest of the Bible, the book of Leviticus bears reading. Um, there's a great passage in Leviticus that says, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of the field and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Whoop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from your vines and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners leaving among you. So you may not be aware of the need, but it's not hard to imagine there is a need. No one has come up to you and says, hey, can I glean in your field? But it's not hard for you to imagine there are people who need that. So he says, he says, let some of, some of what God has given you just just let it slip right through your fingers. You don't have to grasp at every single thing that God gives you and then say, okay, now I'm going to dole that out appropriately. That, that sometimes you can just let it kind of flow past you. And so, so I, I don't know what that would look like today. Um, I'm aware of a gleaning ministry in Southern California and because of OSHA and because of workers' protections laws and things like that, they actually don't let anyone onto their farm. Instead, they do this complicated thing where, where volunteers come and, you know, would get certificates and everything and then they sell the produce and give it to the poor so um so i don't know if we can do that today i think uh, the modern world is a little different but the idea is the same when you don't know of a particular need um then what you can do is you can you can adjust your your habits accordingly so that you can meet that need when it exists or where it wherever it manifests so for example um, you've heard the stories about the the nine-year-old who said you know i've actually i've got it pretty good for my birthday this year, I want people to donate to, you know, this charity. And so, you know, we say, you know, from the mouth of babes, you know, I wish I could be so, so generous at my birthday. Um, so we've heard stories like that. And that's the kind of thing you say, look, I, I'm, I've got things okay. Why don't you uh, bless me by blessing somebody else? And so we can do that sort of thing. Um, we can we can go through our closet and say, you know what, I've got plenty of coats, but it snows here in Alaska uh, sometimes, and um, so I'm going to give I'm going to give a coat uh, away because I, I won't be using it this year. So there's ways we can we can be we can be generous um, when we don't know of a particular need, but it's not hard to imagine the need. But sometimes uh, the need is right there in front of us, and Jesus says, when that happens, not to turn away. He says, give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. And the Apostle Paul says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to put their trust in money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. So so Paul says that, that those of us who are rich should give generously to those who are in need. And I know you're not rich, right? Who, who here is rich? Okay. Well, um, I, I, um, I, I read this statistic. Uh, Louis XIV, the richest man in the world in the year 1700. Okay, richest man in the richest country in the world. Uh, Louis XIV, every night he dined on 40 different dishes so he could pick whatever he wanted, right? And you say, that's pretty, that's pretty wealthy. Now, I want to ask you this. If you go to the grocery store on your way home, how many dishes can you pick from? A lot more than 40. A lot more than 40. 
and you have a lot less chance of getting salmonella than <laughs> than Louis did. You are so much richer than Louis the Fourteenth. It's hard to imagine how much richer we are, and certainly by any kind of comparison, compared to most of the people on Earth today, uh, we are in the top quarter of of uh, wealth in the world. And people uh, historically were, were well up in the top uh, percent of people who have lived in the world. We are fabulously rich. Paul is writing to Timothy and saying to us, teach us to be generous, to be rich in good works. So I want to give you a little bit of an application. When should you give? You should give because somebody else needs it. Um, uh, sometimes people just need help. And um, so you should give to them. Uh, in, in Proverbs, it says, it says, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. I love the thought that 3,000 years ago, people were lending money to their brother-in-law who's a deadbeat. And he would say, I'll pay you back. And you kind of roll your eyes and think, sure you will. Right? Um, and, and in, in the Proverbs, it says, it says, you're lending to the Lord. Don't worry about your brother-in-law. The Lord will repay you because we've all got people like that in our lives. So, so when you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord, and He will repay you. And sometimes we lend money. In fact, I, I want to keep the focus on money because it's so easy to spiritualize this and turn it into, you know, I'll pray for you. Um, so I, I don't want to lose sight of money. But um, but sometimes money is not what we need to give. Sometimes we need to give people our time. We need to say, you know what? Um, why don't we just have lunch together? Because I'd love to hear what's been going on in your life. And that's exactly the way somebody needs us to be generous, to be generous with our time. Sometimes we need to be generous with our, with, with, um, other things. Uh, we're, we're, re- we're receiving donations of cranberry sauce, not because anybody is going to die if they don't get cranberry sauce. It's really kind of not even a food, right? But, <laughs> but, but what it does is it's, it enables us to give people the dignity. There will be kids who go to school the Monday after Thanksgiving and they'll be able to talk about having Thanksgiving dinner with their peers who wouldn't be able to do that because we can give them dignity. So give because somebody else needs it. But you can also give because you feel like it. You can say, you know what? I just want to feed the swans. You know, they don't, I don't, what? They're not bread? All right. Is that bad for them? Yeah. All right. Well, t- tell the photographer, right? Yeah. Grapes? grapes? Feed them grapes. Okay. So, um, I will bite things back. So, tell the photographer. So, so feed the swans, feed the ducks. Um, uh, so, feed the little critters, whatever is good for critters. Um, Feed the people things that are good, not because you owe them anything, not because they necessarily even need it, but because it makes you feel good, because you just want to do it. You want to see the smile on their face. You want to see the relief on their face where they just say, wow, I didn't realize anybody was paying any attention. So give because you feel like it. In Proverbs, it says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed, that God will actually um, flow um, grace into our hearts as we are generous. And then lastly, give because you trust the institution. One of the things the church is called to do is to help people do the things that Jesus um, Jesus calls us to do. Uh, in, in Ephesians, Paul says, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to um, uh, ordain an elder and install three elders to service in our church board. The reason for that is that 
the church has a job of helping you do the things that God calls you to do. So when we identify partner agencies like Lutheran Social Services you heard about earlier, when we identify the Thanksgiving blessing, when we when we partner with with the the uh, uh, Alaska Food Bank to have the mobile food pan- food pantry down on on 88th Street, these are things that our church has identified ways to help you do the things that that you might not know about, you might not have heard of, but through your church you hear about them, and so uh, you give uh, your time, you give your money because you trust the institution. And then lastly, I will say, because I am a preacher and because preachers are all about the money, I will say you uh, that this is an opportunity for you to participate in what Jesus is doing. Jesus says he will build up this church. And uh, let me tell you honestly, don't get a swelled head. Jesus will do it with or without you. But this is an opportunity you have when you give to the church you have the opportunity to participate in what Jesus is doing. So give because you trust the institution. If you don't know this church, if you don't know us well enough to trust us, if you've got concerns, then give someplace else. Give to a different institution. Give directly face-to-face because you feel like it or because the need is so apparent. But be a generous person because God is generous. God made you to be generous. And God promises to underwrite your generosity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the opportunities you give us to be generous. Um, we we have all of us got more than Louis the Fourteenth ever had, and um, uh, Lord, help us to to see. Uh, give us give us eyes that help us to see just how much uh, we have and how we can be generous with the people. Um, and uh, through the through the partner agencies and through all the different uh, places you give us to be generous, we pray it through Christ our Lord. Amen.